tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Join me as always, Xavier Grail and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're back. We're back. From San Francisco, dropping the hammer, packing it out, even though... There was uh, outdoor land fest, outside land, and so outside land festival. Oh, that's a huge, yeah, that's a huge festival. Yeah, yeah, that's what Man. we were competing yeah. against. Yeah, <laughs> outside lands. Is what yeah. yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah, huh. suicide missions. That's, that's like what Woodstock. they send us yeah. on suicide <laughs> missions. Damn, and and we hit a bonus. So don't tell me we didn't do it. Also, oh, it went well. Okay. Oh, tell me about the other festival that was there. And then it was the Folsom Street Festival, where it's just bareback and. On parade, dude. It's literally. Oh, is that that thing where they were like uh, people walk around in puppy uniforms, just doing bad. But they were talking about monkeypox, and they were like, "We're not even going to bother." By the way, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it because I'm going to talk about it in the next uh, broken sim. I don't like to cross pollinate that much, but uh, uh, we're going to get into the ridiculousness and how I am psychic. Okay. I think you're manifesting it now. No, I'm not. Man. Maybe I did manifest it. <laughs> you could have. It's possible, bro. I'm just out there. When you gonna realize I'm a wizard, bro? I'm out there. You're out. You're, you're for sure out. Shut bro. up, Johnny. <laughs> he was out there in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, guys, a lot of great things going on. A lot of great big shows coming up. I'm trying to book some uh, new uh, dates on the road. We'll be doing more than ever. But if you are in L.A., I have two coming up. Okay, and by the time this comes out, uh, which is tomorrow, it'll probably be sold out. But I'm very excited to announce that. Uh, Theo Vaughn has been added to Absolute Extract Presents Comedy Chaos. It's uh, the number one comedy party out there. Uh, hopefully, it will be sold out. Uh, if not, just go to uh, samtriplee.com again or go to thecomedystore.com. Grab your tickets now. And then on August 16th is my Assassin's Only show where uh, I put out a lineup and you don't know who's going up. <sighs> You don't know until they show but it's up. Ki- it's it's yeah. killers though, like trust killers me. who kill. Yeah, just trust them. Killers who Johnny, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> killers who kill. So what I'm trying to do, Johnny, is create a, a place where people can go and do real comedy, edgy comedy, and not have people oh protesting because this guy's going up or that guy's going up. Okay, killers kill. Killers kill. That's one we're putting together. Uh, a lineup of a lot killers. of protests at your shows. Well, you know, it's like I want to start putting up some of the people who are like, oh, dude, oh, why are you putting up that guy, that guy? Uh, 
uh, uh, uh. That's I don't. That want is it. what a lot of that sounds like. Those people who complain, they sound like just farting. Is what it sounds like to me. You know, like I'm gonna be honest with you, the improv is doing really well of not caring about that, and are that's they? why their really? places are. That's why the improv is packing out. That's cool. Stop listening to the internet. Because the L.A. Times had this big spread. I sent you some stuff about how women are all now taking over comedy. I love it. Let it happen. It. Let's see what happens. Okay, because right now, comedically, okay, sorry. Sarcasm is violence right now with these audience, okay? Book assassins, bring the killers, stop worrying about the dumb fucks who get on the internet and write stupid stuff or do specials calling out people on stuff that nobody cares about, okay? Don't, dude, I'm in this new place, bro, where words are magic and we're, I'm putting out positive energy, so I want everyone to do well, but we're gonna soon find out. What's going to happen to comedy now that it's all female bookers? Let's see if this magical stuff that you shoved down our throats forever is going to manifest. Well, they already tried this, remember, at the networks when it was just all women at the networks, you know, that you'd go in for meetings. You hear about all these stories about But these women are my friends. It's just like, okay. Yeah, but anytime it's one gender like that, you, you got to ask yourself, like, what, why? You know what I mean? Yeah, the, yeah. There's no way you're getting the best people if it's just one gender. Well, you know, when John Stewart used to uh, pick his writers, they wouldn't use their names. They would just read their packets, and they would just pick who was the best packets. And it was a bunch of Jewish dudes with fucking glasses, I would imagine. The best is the best. The best of the, the best. The best is the best. The best of the best. Yeah. And that's how it should ultimately do, because people think comedy isn't... Uh, isn't is base. Stand-up comedy is the closest thing to athletics you'll ever get in terms of result-based. You can't shove stuff down people's throats and not get the results, right? Well, but there's this thing now where you kind of can because people feel obligated to laugh at this at shit that's like kind of I virtue totally disagree with you. That. Don't think the Hannah Gadsby thing? Like her entire career is proof that that you can succeed with no. But that's a great example of like what people looked at Netflix comedy at at one point, just like Comedy Central, as the NFL. Or even HBO as the NFL and the NBA. And they were expecting that it would be this, what's it called when only the best of the best gets it, Johnny? All-star game? No, it's, no, it's when it's... Uh, All pro? Attrition or... Um, Attrition is when it wear, you wear down, like people are getting worn down. I, no, know, but I don't know what you're What's it called at. when it's only the best of the best rise to the top? Cream rises to the top. Well, no, it's a, it's a, it's a phrase. I, I, you're not getting it, and I'm too dumb to remember it. But the point, Meritocracy. Meritocracy. Yeah. That's what people think when they go to comedy, went to Comedy Central, or went to, to uh, Netflix, that you were giving us the best of the best. And the truth was, they weren't. No. They were pushing an agenda, and they've annihilated their credibility by using this ESG shit. So they annihilate it. It's done. You've ruined it. And that's what people want. And that's what these comedy clubs start doing it. And the improv was really bad at it for a while. They would be putting these flyers on with these futuristic. Everyone looked like they were in the fifth element. And you're like, okay, but are they funny? And guess what? They weren't. And guess what happened to you? Your rooms didn't fill. Now, Rita, who's no I've known for year decades. Rita, I've known Rita so long, she gave me a car when <laughs> when when I didn't have a car. 
because Pablo Francisco had yeah. won a car. That Mustang, right? Right? So, I mean, so she's been around for... She's now putting savages on. But you don't think these L.A. crowds that you've been complaining about reward the wrong kind of shit now, not funny shit, but just shit that's like a wink, like, hey, we all think the same thing. Right, right? but we all know... Listen, I really get mad when people get mad that when people say L.A. sucks, right? When yeah. we, If you get upset when people say L.A. sucks... You are part of the problem because it sucks. Because it, it sucks, and but but we it has to suck. So the population is in a billion here, right? Because the weather's gray, the people are pretty. We That's have to have theory, bad yeah. traffic, and we have to have assholes everywhere. And guess what? The comedy crowds are dumb. They're dumb. That's all I'm saying is that the comedy crowds here reward. It's not America. And the comics, really. the comics, okay are not doing their part to push back on stupid. They're giving stupid comedy to stupid people. They're funny. They're super funny, but they're giving stupid comedy to stupid people when we should be challenging these people to go, this is what's going on in our world. The L.A. comedy scene has become the band on the Titanic just playing as the ship is sinking. Yeah, but then when you see a headliner do those jokes, it's hilarious. But if it's an opener, it kind of... What do you mean? Like, uh... Oh, challenging. I get what he's saying. He's saying, like, if an open micro goes out there and tries to be Bill Hicks, you know, like, screaming at the yeah. crowd, that's one thing. Like, but. if, yeah. if, like right. if, like right. if fucking Bill Burr does no mask, mask, whatever the fuck he thinks going on, it'll kill. But if an open micro does it, it's kind of like, oh, it better be really fucking good. Yeah, but you, not, you just gotta, yeah. you gotta take those chances. You have to learn. You have to keep throwing shit against the wall, right? But you also have to, it's kind of like Bill Hicks. Johnny says this all the time. When Bill Hicks starts his, started comedy, he was doing simple jokes he about being dude, a shoe yeah. guy. Like, your job isn't to go right to it. But the yeah. the people who are getting at the comedy store and getting the spots and at the improv, and I'll forget the Laugh Factory. I love the Laugh Factory, but the, that's their brand. But, you know, these other two clubs, your job is to be, is to talk about what's going on in the world. It's gotten too much of pop comedy. There's no teeth in it. And that's why Assassins Only is going. It's meant to be t- people who push the envelope. And it's 12 fucking dollars. It's 12 dollars. Come on. And guess what we're also getting in trouble with? It's the same people getting booked everywhere. You're eventually going to run. They're going to run out of crowd. Because people are like, oh, I get this guy again. There's so many funny people out there. Stop using the same five people. Mix it up. And that's what the show's all about. That's what the show's all about. So what else is going on? Guys, if you want to, and also September 30th, I'm going to be at Saratoga, Saratoga Springs with Howie Dewey. Um, if you want more content, I am cranking out content to the point I'm starting to lose my skull, everybody. Uh, <laughs> just go to rockfin.com. I have three different shows up there. I have uh, Tim Fall Hat Premium. I've had Zero, which is my spiritual podcast. Thank you, everybody, for coming on to coming out to San Francisco, talking about how much they love Zero. And then one of my favorite show. It's the number one debate show between binary men, Deep <laughs> Conspiracy Social Club, aka Deep Waters. It's available on Rockfin. We also have on Rockfin. We don't smoke yes, the same. Yes, we, got, we don't smoke there. the same. Head over there. And we have Broken Sim First Look, the the hit new show that everybody's talking about, the Grand Theft Auto of podcasting. You also have some live shows coming, right? I actually do. I have one in Hawthorne. It's uh, actually, 
Uh, B Real's performing after we do comedy. So what? you get to get, yeah, you get the whole entertainment. It's, uh, you go to Bart's Barbecue with the Z at bartsbarbecue.com. It's a little pricey, but you get a whole entertainment. You get to eat barbecue for four hours. And you're hours. doing stand up with Be Real. Yeah. Well, he's Look doing at his Xavier yeah. Guerrero doing yeah. big things, dude. So head over to Bart's Barbecue with the Z at the end of bartz.com uh, and uh, go get Bart's. some tickets. It'll be hey, fun. Hey, man, do you think maybe you should have somewhere where they can get your tickets at? Oh, like Instead my own of, pub, Yeah. Or maybe, oh, yeah. Uh, some kind of <laughs> hey, website well, or something. How, how long did it take Sam? To get his samtriply.com. Yeah, but bro. the point is, like, you should you should be doing. Yeah, it. I'm working on it. Okay. Uh, also, I have I I have most of my my premium contents on one channel, but uh, on one website. But I do have a premium show on Patreon, and that is Cash Daddies or whatever it will be called. Uh, Cash Daddies. Go cashdaddies.com slash slash. Go to patreon.com slash cash daddies there are two different um levels you can join johnny uh oh yeah there are yeah there's the 20 dollar <laughs> level you get the podcast and how he's uh how he do he's genius investing in advice a time of picks. nobody making money how he everyone's money. making money yeah and then uh for a thousand dollars you can uh get sex advice from sam and myself yeah we for a thousand dollars johnny and i will begrudgingly watch you and your lady or you and your man. Begrudgingly is true for one of us. The okay. other one will be uh, f- furiously masturbating. That's Sam. <laughs> Johnny, just don't look me in the eye when you jerk off. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, we're Sam. talking about you, buddy. Okay, oh. so we'll watch you. But let me tell you something. Howie Dewey is crushing it, and uh, it's only 20 bucks. You will. Uh, you will. I, dude, that photo shoot with me there took so long. Oh, God. Johnny, was so hard. So just go to uh, patreon.com slash cashdaddies. New t-shirt alert. That should be up very soon. I'm very excited. I'm not going to show it to you last, but just go to timfallhattshirts.com or samtriplee.com uh, to grab your t-shirts. Great way to support the show. The telegrams for the show are on fire. Uh, just just go to samtriplee.com. Click the um, the banners. It will take you to the Tim Fall Hat telegram and the uh zero telegram and finally uh i my cameos are are great if you want to get yelled at by me uh it's really che- they're cheap cameos and then finally our uh we get some gold from uh gold and silver uh and just click the bar click the banner and help you out and Why what is else wolf? is that? and then go down last thing finally before we get into the show i have seven shows that i i love very much each one of them very specific. The hardest working <laughs> man in podcast. Yeah. Right. So go to, you can listen to this one, Tim Foha, Broken Sim, which is the, again, the uh, the Grand Theft Auto of podcasting. Cash Daddies, my financial show. Punch Drunk. The Union of the Unwanted, <laughs> which I forgot to uh, mention on Joe Rogan and br- made some grown men cry. But just go on the Union of the Unwanted. It's the most important uh, conversation on the internet it's a panel show and then you can get some old episodes uh, from uh, of my rockfin on conspiracy social club and zero they're available for free wherever you listen to podcasts and the 24 hour uh 24 hour radio station i have my own 24 hour radio station you can listen to me all the time every time it's all good uh anything else guys yeah now nah. oh yeah just go to youtube.com slash sam triple try to subscribe Try to subscribe. Yeah, try. I we, just did the biggest podcast. We finally podcast. got over 137, finally. Oh, we are? Yeah, just barely. Creeped uh, over. That is so hilarious, bro. They just hate me over there. Anyways, enjoy the show. Go deep, homeboy. <laughs> Eric, open your mouth.
All right, man, let's get into it. I'm very excited to have this next gentleman on. He has a podcast called Esoteric America. Uh, he's a podcaster. He is an author. Very excited to have him on. Please welcome Chad Stemke. How are you, buddy? I'm doing awesome, Sam, man. Thanks for having me tonight. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Me, so appreciate it. Me too, brother. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to get in some Stargate talk, and it's I, I love it. It's like super duper. It's just another thing where it's like where we live is a lot more interesting than they want us to know. But before we get into it, uh, Chad, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where our listeners can find you? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I grew up in Michigan my whole life. I uh, lived in Flint till I was in middle school, moved down to the Detroit area, lived in the Detroit area till my mid-30s. And now I live up in uh, beautiful northern Michigan. And I consider myself, like you said, an esoteric researcher. I've written a couple books. Uh, my research really just involves, I like to look at sacred landscapes around the country. In particular, my neck of woods was Detroit. And look at the modern structures that have been built on the ancient sacred landscapes, the art, the architecture, and the symbolism. And just kind of follow the path of the symbolism that's been hidden in plain sight. And that's what I've been doing for over a decade now. So... I got a website, uh, chadstemkey.com. You can find all, pretty much all my articles and research over there. And we're just starting a new podcast, me and a couple other fellow podcasters, Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy and Homie Romy from Rising from the Ashes. We're starting a new podcast called Esoteric America, where we're giving other people the same opportunity to come on our show and present what's in their neck of the woods. I like it. I think Mark's trying to go for my world record of seven podcasts. I think he's trying to t trying to take the throne, bro. Not happening, dude. I'll start five more podcasts if I have to. Um, I love it. I love all of it. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I was just in Michigan. Uh, it's so funny, dude. We just did San Francisco. I get show up when it's like some big festival and some big gay festival too that two big you know so i go to michigan it's the when everybody leaves the town that i went to so they bring me in it's like what are we doing here but i will say something about the people of michigan they are beyond nice i mean i was really blown away by how nice they are they are nice people like texas nice yeah they're like really no they're nicer nice texas very nice people but they're more like super energetic yeah, that Midwest thing is like uh, Michigan. I is also kind of like Indiana. Those those two states, just yes. super super welcoming, kind of yeah. almost like a Southern vibe, but yeah. without I don't know, just a little milder. don't want to cause any problems. Yeah, just want to have a good time. Yeah. Super nice people, <laughs> and it just makes you wonder what happened to Eminem that he's so angry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I think it's, Detroit might be a different beast. Yeah. I'm sure it is, but the point is, Michigan's <laughs> wonderful and. Uh, I'm very excited to get into it, man, because I do believe there are places that have some, you know, different vibrations, different, there's hidden, hidden uh, occult symbolism and stuff all through there. So I'm excited. Where do you want to start? Well, uh, let's, maybe I'll just briefly give you an oral overview of some of the discoveries I made. And then after that, maybe I'll show you some visuals and we can get into the history and you know what exactly happened. I'm in, I'm in, let's do it. All right. So basically, like I said, I like to look at the ancient sacred landscapes and in North America, they're usually the native American Indian mounds. 
And in Detroit, where I was living, all the mounds had been built over. And in most cases, there's usually a park or something over top of them. So I'd been visiting this park downtown Detroit called Hart Plaza for, you know, probably a decade going down there and skateboarding on the monuments and going to concerts and walking my dogs. Never recognized any of the symbolism. And I had a couple UFO experiences and it got me kind of into all this stuff. And I started looking at the ancient mound sites and it led me right back <laughs> to this park, right back to the park I'd been my whole life, you know. So long so, story so short, when you, when you say that you you saw symbolism, what do you mean by that? Like there was like like stuff sketched into the side of the of the, of, uh, of, of a mountain, uh, in a cave, stuff like that. That people just like, hey, dude, look at that. That that was some that's some Native American graffiti right there. And you're like, well, I think there might be something more to that. Like the Native Americans were the early taggers, right? They yeah. were like yeah, yeah, yeah. Banksy before there was Banksy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting, man. Yeah. You should have seen Sam's face when you said UFOs, by the way. It was uh, I was like, <laughs> okay, now we're in it. Now we're in it. Yeah, yeah well, the, the symbolism I'm talking about is actually modern art and architecture. So the park was built on this ancient mound site, so the mound site's gone. But what's there now is this park where at the entrance of the park, there's a giant 63-foot-tall sculpture that looks just like a Stargate. Like, no denying it. I'll show you guys pictures in a minute. And the park itself, the entire park was laid out and correlated to the constellation of Orion in the Giza pyramids. And this was done 30 years before anybody had ever heard about correlating monuments to the stars before the Robert Bouval correlation theory. So when I, you know, recognized we had a plaza here with the Stargate looking monument at its entrance and it's orientated and aligned to other realms you know that got me started yeah you know i I spent 10 years from that time on just slowly decoding the layers of this park and a neighboring park downtown detroit now do you try to go to your friends going dude this isn't a kid's park this is a native american (laughs) stargate do you guys understand what you're fucking with right now everyone's like dude your wife's like please chill out on the stargate stuff it's a kid's party okay they don't need to know about it. Do you have to go there? I couldn't imagine what that must be like. Okay. <laughs> you're not you're not that oh, far yes. from being there, Sam. No, I am not. You're going to be watching a movie, and your kids are going to be into it, and you're going to be like, I need to wake them up. I yeah. need to not let them yeah. know. <laughs> I'm going I'm to blue pill them till they're ready. That's kind of what Eddie Bravo does with his son, so I'm going to do that too. But yeah, it must be crazy to have all this knowledge. And then does anyone around you believe in any of it, what you're saying? Well, they do now, but, you know, when I started this 10 years ago, nobody had a clue. You know, millions of people would filter through this park, and just like me at the time, had no clue. You know, now 10 years later, there's, you know, some people that recognize it. They actually hold festivals there, and the people that put on the festivals recognize it. They have the Stargate stage and the Pyramid stage, and, you know, so now the symbolism is recognized. They actually call it stargate detroit you know it's actually kind of taken on the nickname so from where it went 10 to 15 years ago when see i seen the red wings win the stanley cup and a million people filter through this plaza and i bet you nobody i don't know if anybody recognizes symbolism at that point you know crazy i wonder what uh, that means when you walk through those stargates are is are you 
are you changing at all? Is there any powers? In I that? think when a lot of people at once go through it. See, I would think it's something that you had to activate with some kind of ritual or some weird. Yeah, kind something of like, that we just that lost knowledge. You know that you have to kind of. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Sam, because I I need to make the point up front. When I say a stargate. It's the symbol of the Stargate, but I don't think this is a monument where we can literally walk through it and end up in California or end up in New York. I call these consciousness portals. Now, when the natives used to have mounds here, they would have a certain area where they thought they could connect with other realms. And now these Stargate monuments are in the same spots. And I think these are what I call consciousness portals where possibly information, wisdom, Mm. maybe even spirits and soul could travel through if you're there in the right state of mind possibly the right frequency possibly at the right time so i'm glad you brought that up because i want to make it clear i don't think these are literal stargates like straight out of the science fiction movie but i do think these are places where we can connect with other realms so you think it it could be active if if done correctly i do absolutely i have interviewed hundreds of people who have claimed to have experiences down here uh, around the stargate and yeah absolutely i do believe it could be active if like i said i think it has something to do with one being aware of it and two possibly being in a certain frame of mind or possibly a certain frequency um and also a lot of times they have like in this case they have music festivals down there so when I'm interviewing people, I'm usually interviewing people at these music festivals. So you got a combination of these tunes and tones and frequencies yeah. in combination with, you know, these people are many times in a different vibration or a different point, you know. And I think that combination, if you're on the right piece of real estate, might have an effect where you reach through to these other realms or the, the veil may be just a little thinner, so to speak, in these spots. And people catch glimpses sometimes of the past, sometimes of the future. And that's one thing I always say doing this research, because, you know, like I said, I go to look for the ancient sites and then look at the modern sites. And sometimes you'll catch a glimpse of the future. It's kind of like a time machine experience. You know, you visit the past, you you be in the moment at these parks. And sometimes you'll be surprised, you know, what you see. Okay. So let's get into it. What do you, you got some visuals for us or is that what you want to present next? Let's see it, dude. I'm excited. Absolutely. Let me see if I can share my screen here. You think there's? I mean, obviously, I'm guessing there's some throughout the throughout the count the country. I think there's stargates and portals, and um, I mean, what is the other thing that there is? I mean, there's like a portal in Arizona. I think they're all there, dude. I think I think there's way more interesting stuff going on than they want you to know. I'm trying to figure out. Vortices. Vortexes. That's it. That's the word. Vortex, man. I think there's vortex for sure. That's why I'm trying to decalcify my pineal gland so I can really get into it. What's your operation to do that? Uh, They say, uh, they say fish, they say um, apple cider vinegar. Hey guys, uh, real quick, I want to tell you about our friends at Copy My Crypto. Guys, we've seen so many people making ridiculous money from crypto. But did you know that it's easy for you to do the same? The Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the coins that YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy him. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest. You simply do what he does. 
So let me tell you about James. He runs the Crypto with James YouTube channel, which despite heavy censorship, has over 17,000 subscribers and 1 million views. Since March 2020, he's told his viewers to buy 26 crypto coins. Had you put $100 into each one, it would now be worth more than $53,000. Of the 26 coins, his top pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, is currently up over 440 times from when he named it. That one call alone has retired a number of people, including guys in their 20s and 30s. Remember, this is public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify it yourself. So if you'd like to join the 1,300 members who copy James, then stop what you're doing and head over to copymycrypto.com TFH. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said here, but our listeners can get full access for just $1. You won't find this offer anywhere else, but act fast because it ends soon. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash TFH. That's TFH. Don't take this offer lightly. James is the real deal. Go visit the site now. Here we go. Okay. Can you see the, you see the screen on your guys? End? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. So here I'm just making the point that for thousands of years, cultures have been aligning monuments on the ground with the heavens, trying to make a connection point, a correlation, a portal, so they could receive wisdom from the other realms. So today I'm going through different cities and where these ancient sites used to be, they've been torn down usually in modern sites many times with like I'd like to find is has gateway symbolism. Think of the gateway arch. This was built on an ancient piece of sacred landscape. In St. Louis, right? In St. Louis. In Chicago, there's called Millennium Park, and there they got Cloud Gate. And I'm just showing you a couple of examples. Before you think we that's a portal history. or represents a symbolism of a portal? So what Absolutely. That, that's Even like a, a portal. A giant silver, for those listening, it's the cloud gate, which is the, I would say it almost looks like a giant like silver. a space bean. A space bean that's in Chicago, yeah. Yeah, and even according to the artist, he's Anish Kapoor, he made it, he said this monument is supposed to manipulate the viewer's space and time. And it actually bends the buildings, it slows down the clouds. Wow. Walk, oh, man, it's cool. And when you walk underneath it and you look directly up, you will watch yourself start to spin. And it looks like you're literally oh, going wow. through a portal. And so I call it the cloud gate portal. Wow. Now, so get, that's kind of just kind of giving you the gist of some of the art and architecture that's emerging on these ancient sacred sites. So what we're going to talk about mostly today is my hometown, Detroit, in Hart Plaza. And like I mentioned briefly, this was an ancient sacred landscape in the past. And now there's all kinds of Egyptian symbolism, Stargate symbolism. This is the Stargate monument at the beginning of the park I was talking about. Yeah. I consider the, you know, it's undeniable. It looks like a Stargate, right? I with mean, some Stonehead shit going on there too as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is just give you a brief history of Detroit and some of the ancient legends and lore. And then it'll make a little more sense why all this Stargate portal symbolism seems to be emerging, I think. All right. All right. Awesome, man. So, you know, Detroit River, it's an international border. And initially, it was dotted with ancient mound sites on both sides of the river. This was the sacred area for the Native Americans of the Midwest. 
And there are all kinds of legends talking about portals in this exact area. And this is Belle Isle I'm showing you. And Belle Isle is the sacred island of Chief Sleeping Bear. And Chief Sleeping Bear and the Serpent Goddess is an ancient Ottawa legend that incorporates portal symbolism and a gatekeeper. And the legend goes that Chief Sleeping Bear's daughter was so beautiful, he used to keep her tied up in a canoe on the shore. I get that. And, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> one day, the canoe got loose. The west wind blew the canoe loose, and the neighboring water gatekeeper saw the daughter. And he pulled the daughter ashore and took him back to his wigwam. And we'll leave it at that. Chief Sleeping <laughs> And uh, Chief Sleeping Bear wasn't happy with this, and he ended up killing the water gatekeeper and burying his body on neighboring Peach Isle, and he brought his daughter back to Belle Isle and surrounded the island with snakes. She became known as the Serpent Goddess, and she was immortalized as a white female doe deer. Now, this will become a little important later. Now, the island where the gatekeeper was buried is now known as, I call it, Consciousness Portal. This is where all the Native Americans over the years would go and, and fast and meditate before they would go to war and try to connect with the spirit of the gatekeeper. So this island, you know, by legend, they literally considered this a portal or a consciousness portal. Now, just down the river from this consciousness portal was the largest mound in Detroit. This was called the Great Mound. And the Great Mound was 200 feet by 400 feet. The base of it was said to be as large as the Great Pyramid. So I'm talking this thing was gigantic. And this was believed to be the portal to the afterlife. This is where all tribes from around the Midwest would come and they would bury their bodies. So... Those were some of the portal areas along this Detroit River. Hold on, hold on. Um, hold see on, the skulls just on, hanging? Hold on. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this picture. Can we go back to that real quick? So, yes, sir. So you, would, so you would pass away and your loved ones would carry you dead to this portal where they would throw you in what? Throw you in a hole? Or would, uh, from, uh, or would they just hang you out like dirty laundry on, like on laundry like what would you what what's going on in this picture have you studied it okay. do you or, know what's happening is it, is it a fire pit maybe yeah this is called the huron feast of the dead Whoa. and they would the very first huron feast of the dead they would bury him in that hole and then every it was either i believe it was every seven or ten years they would bring the bodies of the people who had passed and bury them on top of that so over the hundreds of years, they ended up with this gigantic mound that was almost the size of the Great Pyramid. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you, I, I, everyone's going to be like, let him talk, because I, 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 a, lo a lot of information's no, no. coming. So you're saying yeah. they would bury these bodies and that would cause the mound? Yes, absolutely. Oh. As high as an Egyptian pyramid. That, that reminds me of when I was a kid and I would get porno mags, but I didn't want anyone to know it, so I put them under my bed, and eventually my bed would look pregnant. I swear, to, I don't know how my mother did it. I'm sure she did. She did, did now. She was like, what is Black Jugs magazine, you know? Go on, sorry about that, but that, that reminds yeah. me. So that's what mounds represented, all of them, or do you think no. just this particular time? Yeah, no, not all of them. There's, you know, there's a burial mounds. This would be considered a burial mound. There's also the temple mounds. That's, you know, where you come 
come and actually have ceremonies and whatnot. So there's there's different kinds of mounds, but this mound was definitely considered, you know, a portal to the afterlife. This is where they buried their deceased. Okay, and this is around Detroit or just outside of it? Yep, this is all going down the Detroit River. So here you can see, this is the island of the gatekeeper. Right here was the Isle of the Serpent Goddess and Chief Sleeping Bear. And there were mounds lining this shoreline right here, leading to right here was the great mound we just talked about. Wow. So this whole area, you know, starting down here was considered the, the consciousness portal, the realm of the gatekeeper down here is where they buried the deceased. And then the French come to town. We're talking 1701. Now the first explorers come to town. This is Antoine Cadillac. You probably heard of Cadillac cars, obviously. This is yeah. Antoine Cadillac. Antoine Cadillac. Oh, it's First, named ooh. after a dude. I didn't know that. You know that? No idea. Now, are you yes. going to tell me uh, Antoine Cadillac was a dick? Oh, he was. Yeah, he was a dick, man. He <laughs> pulled. A, he pulled ashore. He saw the Native American burial grounds. He said that looks like the perfect place to pull ashore and build our, you know, city of Detroit. Oh. So he tore down some of the mounds and he built the star fort right here called Fort Detroit. So that very first monument or fort in town was a star fort that wiped out some of the native mounds. Now, there are theories about star forts too, right? There are all kinds of theories about star forts. And, you know, I won't, we don't got time to get into all right. of them. But, but this is not one, one of those kind of mystical star forts. We're pretty sure this is just one that was built by a guy. How do you know? Well, this, well that's why I'm asking him is what he thinks about it. No, that's a great question. This star fort in particular was the first fort in the 1700s, so it was actually made out of cedar posts. It wasn't one of the big earthen forts like we're familiar with, Got but it. we'll see there are some of those. But since this was built out of cedar posts, the Native Americans weren't having it, and they burnt it down, you know. Wow. So about 50 years pass, and the British come to town. And about 50 yards away from the old fort that burnt down, they built themselves a star fort. Well, this was still a cedar star fort, so the Native Americans, once again, weren't having it, and they built it, burnt it down again. So the British decided they should move across the river. Uh, Native American presence wasn't as heavy over there, and they built this nice earthen star fort. This is more like what you're familiar seeing here. And never seen any military action. You know, they built it, but it was there for 20 years or so, and they turned it into an insane asylum. Oh, That's my kind of God. Yeah, so, you know, and at the same time, I should mention on the other side of the river, they were building a giant insane asylum also. So on both sides of the rivers, we had star forts and insane asylums going on. I mean, dude, if you were labeled insane back then, you had oh, zero man. rights. No there was, chance. No there was chance. no chance. You were thrown away and forgotten. No Imagine if they opened yeah, one right man. now. Well, like, they're uh, thinking be, about doing that because, you know, a lot of these big cities, there's there are people that are incapable of taking care of themselves. They yeah. they they're they're Mostly in the Democrats. Yeah. yeah, they're mo <laughs> they're 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 at the most basic survival mode, like literally they just do what to survive. And they're thinking about like take like if you can't take care of yourself, they can now legally take you and put you in asylum, which Reagan got rid of. Yeah. It's crazy, man. These star forts around the world are crazy, bro. This looks like some Game of Thrones yeah. shit. Yeah, and up until, you know, I didn't know there was 
I knew there was this one star fort we're looking at now, but I, up until recently, I didn't know there was four separate star forts, you know, lining the banks of the Detroit River. Are they still um, there? This one we're looking at right now, this is Fort Wayne. This one is still there. Now, this was the Americans' version. Remember, the British crossed the river, but now the Americans came to town in the mid-1800s, and they decided to move down river a little bit by the Great Mound, the portal to the afterlife, the Native Americans' sacred landscape, and build Fort Wayne directly on top of that sacred landscape. So for the third time, we have a star fort being built on top, literally, of the ancient mounds. Now, a little bit of the great mound was left, just a little bit, and one remaining small mound. And in that area where the remaining mound was left, the world's exposition decided to come to town, 1890. Mm. And they tore down the remnants of the Great Mound. So this would be the final stamping out of the Native American mounds in this area. If you look close, you can see the Fort Wayne Star Fort right there, right on the edge of the exposition grounds. You know, and this is like a lot of the other expositions. They built it. Well, this one they built in seven months, and it stuck around for two years before they tore it down. But Why would you tear the, it down? Yeah, why would you tear it down? Johnny, yeah, that, it's a quite good good question. And what's really sad about this is these fairgoers you see here, they would let them dig into the ancient mound, the remnants of the mound for a quarter, and they could take home any any bones or skeletons they found. They could take home with them oh as souvenirs. God. Dude, the souvenirs. Indians, the Indians got souvenirs. fucked. Yeah. I mean, just they just got fucked. Every story you yeah. hear is worse than the last one. It's amazing. Yeah. So that 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 was the bearing out, you know, the, the Native American gateway symbolism wipes. It's like bocce ball for giants. What is yeah, this? What is that? So this is this is pictures from the fair. Now in eighteen ninety, people hadn't ever got the bird's eye view perspective. There's no oh, skyscrapers, oh. there's no airplanes. So the big draw in Detroit was they had these balloons. And they would let you go up in them, but they couldn't guarantee where you would come down. Yeah. So, so people were coming down in Canada, and I mean, all over the place. Oh wow! <laughs> and and those were the ones that came down. Some people just kept going yeah, in the yeah, state. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, people oh, had yeah. balls back then. Yeah, I people, mean, this yeah. is the exact opposite yeah. of today, where people are flying with shields and yeah. masks on. Oh, well, dude, what's the alternative? Mm. You know, you're gonna stay at home and and uh, you know plow a bunch of rows of corn, or you can you know take your chances in a balloon and Man, might end up in where I land. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. So yeah, man. So that that was the stamping out over a couple hundred years period of the Native American symbolism, in particular gateway symbolism. Now the same time the early 1800s here we go we got a woodward in there this is augustus woodward and detroit had just burnt down (laughs) in the great fire you got to be looking at his nose right gotta be (laughs) (laughs) so detroit just burnt down in the great fire 1805 so thomas jefferson sends his disciple augustus woodward to detroit the motto for detroit on our flags is we shall rise again from the ashes and the purpose of 
Thomas Jefferson sending Augustus Woodward to Detroit was to redesign the street layouts. Oh, yes. And, That's where this stuff, you see this in New York, you see this in, in Washington, D.C., like very specific street designs. Yeah, yeah. And, and Augustus Woodward was in Washington, D.C., and he was friends with Pierre Lumfant, the guy who designed the Washington, D.C. street layouts. So the way the story goes is Augustus Woodward took notes in his personal notebook, and when he came to Detroit, he kind of implemented some of the same symbolism. So I'll just show you some of the symbolism. This was the very first version. This was called the hub and spoke version. And remember, this is 1805. So I just show how, you know, you could overlay concentric oh, rings shit. like a new Atlantis, you know. Whoa! Damn. You could also overlay three-dimensional pyramids. But getting more to most likely what was meant, the pentagram. Oh, come on, dude. You know, and you know, the hexagram, hexagon fits perfect. And, you know, you can't tell me this guy didn't recognize some of the symbolism he was trying to put in the streets. But this design was a little too much for Detroiters at the time, and they actually voted it out. So it wasn't totally incorporated. Only part of the plan was incorporated. And this part of the plan, he was still able to keep in, obviously, the pentagram and the Freemasonic scale, just like his buddy Pierre L'Enfant in Washington, D.C. So in 1805, this was the first time the symbol of the star would be laid into the streets. But the fifth time, the symbol of the star would be going up and down the riverbanks. We had the four star forts, and now the streets are laid out like a star. So now we'll start looking at some of the architecture. You know, this is where it starts to get fun. And we'll look at a place called Campus Mars or Campus Martius. And Campus Martius sits right at the base of the pentagram. This is called Detroit's point of origin. And this is where Augustus Woodward laid out all the city streets from. So he put his instruments right here at Detroit's point of origin and measured the city streets. So can and I those, ask a question? What, yeah. what were they going to do? Were they going to, did Detroit already exist? Or were they going to knock down a lot of stuff and redo it? Uh, Detroit had just burnt down in oh. one of the classic great fires. One of the stories where some guy's lantern supposedly tips over because a cow tail hits it and burns down the city. You know, so they are literally pretty much starting from scratch at this point. Hmm. Yeah, and so that's in the 1800s. But when you go there today, the same symbolism. You know, we're, we're looking right at the base of the pentagram and pentagon. And today what's there is a giant building. They just renamed this building. It's the Meridian Building, and it takes on the exact, exact same shape. And out front of it, you have the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, our first pyramid out of many we'll look at. In front of the building, you have one of a cause, cause artist sculpture. It's called Waiting. So I'm always wondering what these goofy-looking Mickeys are waiting for. Yeah, there's got to be something. Something. And like I said, this is Detroit's point of origin. Now, back in the day in the scientific, science fiction, Stargate depictions, 
You always had a point of origin. The top of the stargate was literally called your point of origin. So we're looking for gateway symbolism and stuff in Detroit. And this, there's literally a star in the concrete that says point of origin. And I didn't expect this, but when I took people on tours down there, and they felt they had to stand on this star. And they swear up and down, you know, you can feel the energy coming through this pentagram. You know, I, I agree with them, but until this first tour I took down there, I never even contemplated standing on it and trying to feel the energy. But now every time this is one of the big hits of the tours, people standing on this point of origin star. And synchronistically, coincidentally, the symbol for the point of origin, the Stargate symbol, happens to fit on this ancient 1805 map. Wow. You know, that's a, synchronic a synchronicity, you know, but it fits. That is crazy. Is there any, like, conspiracy about the fires? Why the fires happened? Is anyone going, they burn it down so they could remake it? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't even think it's a conspiracy. I think pretty much everybody believes believes that. You know, all these great fires, you're hearing all the cities have a similar story. You know, Joe Bob knocked over a candle and it caught the house on fire. Or a sheep knocked over a lantern. But the gist is of it is they were all wanted to rebuild at that time. That's when all these new street designs were coming in, all this new art and architecture. And, you know, Building is building is money. As you build, you, you got jobs, you got money, but these fires weren't accidents all at the same time across the country. You know, I think Thomas Jefferson knew ahead of time he'd be sending Augustus Woodward out here oh, to yeah. re redesign the street layout. Oh, it just you know? happened to be. We needed you for that. That's great that you were already there, right? <laughs> exactly. And it is weird that so many world fairs burnt down. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah. That, I mean, because they were made out of such shitty materials. Yeah, they okay. burned out. Okay, John. It's just, it's just like all of them. I like so many of them, Johnny. Gosh. <laughs> just. Yeah, I mean, they weren't all burned down. So a lot a of them were demolished. But there's still a lot of buildings. The Eiffel Tower is still there, dude. Yep. Or a World's Fair. Yep. 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 Go on. Yeah. So, I'm just showing now that you know the symbol. The symbol of the pentagram, I think, in some way may have been destined for the streets of Detroit. You know, it's the street layout. You can scale it down to the base of the street layout. You actually have a pentagram, pentagon building, and you have Chrysler cars driving around that building that had a hood ornament with the pentagram on it. Oh, my God. And, and this is where it's really interesting. If you're familiar with Peter Shampoo and his biome work. Oh, yeah. Mo yeah. All right. Well, most of most of Peter's biomes take on circular features, except for over Michigan. Peter's Michigan biome takes on the pentagram. And if you notice, Detroit sits perfectly situated at the base of the pentagram. You can extend all the lines of the pentagram's arms to sacred sites around the world. Easter Island, Machu Picchu, Rensselaer Chateau. So, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty legit alignment that peter came up with so you know if we we can literally scale it down from looking down on the state of michigan with a pentagram overlaid on it down to the base of that pentagram and it's called and a bio a, what do you what are they called the biome b-i-o-m-e and what do they represent biome. what does a biome represent if you look at 
each of these circles, these are kind of like cultural circles. Say in, in the Midwest, people and everything's just a little different ah, than people from the Northeast. Okay. You know, different regions, different cultures, different plant life. And for whatever reason, most biomes take on the circular shape until he got to Michigan. He Which is out what's it. going on That's with weird. Michigan? What's going yeah. on with Michigan, water. dude? Now we know why Eminem's so angry. <laughs> 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 well, so, yeah, so, you know, you can scale it down from way above looking down on the state to the base of that pentagram, and then you got another pentagram and the street layout. You can scale down to the base of that, and you got a pentagon of building. You can scale down right to the center of that pentagon of building, and you got a pentagon of glass pyramid, like I said, and then you got the Chrysler hood ornaments. Yeah. Scale down to your car. Scale down to your car. So I like to point out, because a lot of people, the first thing they think is the pentagram's got to be evil. So I point out it can be, but it doesn't have to be. It's the one symbol. We're talking about Detroit being a gateway or a portal. And it's the one symbol that can connect the upper realms, the earthly realms, and the lower realms. The upper realms, of course, the stars. The lower realms, of course, the five elements. And the star man with their arms and legs outreached is the human so this is the one element or one symbol that can connect us to a portal or to a gateway which is exactly what we're looking at and well the reason i show this is because remember we're talking about campus mars here that's what it's called campus mars detroit's point of origin and synchronistically on mars possibly near the face of mars there's what's called the dnm pyramid and it's a five-pointed pyramid just like the one here in detroit and campus mars now if you go underneath this building the pentagram building with the pentagonal glass pyramid underneath that pyramid inside is the world's largest hanging waterfall and it's a symbolic rainbow bridge and when we're talking about mythological rainbow bridges we're talking about gateways between worlds again could also talk about the chakra system. Oh, go back to the inside of the building. You you just showed yeah one more that one. What is that? This is the world's largest hanging waterfall, and water oh, falls from the yeah, top yeah. here down down each one of these rainbow colored kites until it drops into this pool. And you know symbolically, the rainbow bridge is always been considered a gateway between realms and pretty much every culture you know so it's pretty incredible you look at all this pentagram symbolism and then when you finally go under that last final pentagram glass pyramid what you find is a symbolic rainbow bridge or gateway you know kind of kind of tops it off yeah that's an angry tree what is going on with that tree What's from, from Detroit? What is going on? It it's sure got, is. Dude. Look, at right, look at that. Look at that. It's got teeth. Yeah, yeah that's the the Norse tree. That's the Norse tradition of the the Rainbow Bridge. There. Kind of scary. But, but yeah. So, but all of that. That's one little park called Campus Mars, and all that some symbolism is correlated and connected to another park, three blocks south, called Hart Plaza, and Hart Plaza is where all the real symbolism starts oh now we're getting into the symbolism <laughs> yeah, all right now let's we're about go. to get let's into the symbolism. all right let's fucking go all right 
So before you okay. walk into Hart Plaza on the corner, there's a cornerstone. This is the memorial to Joe Lewis, and it's this oh, giant that's a cool sculpture. fist. Wow. Yeah. It's in this pyramidal contraption, very Freemasonic looking, you know, yeah, and it's like I said. Much. Isn't that cool, though? The, the, like, Joe Lewis is just fist coming up. So yeah, and that fist going? is pointing right across the road to Hart Plaza. So this is pointing from Campus Mars to Hart Plaza. Now, if you stand right here on this cornerstone and you look to the east, you will see Freemasonic George Washington standing a half a block away in front of the old Mariner's Church. And what most people until recently haven't recognized is that when you get the right angle, what the Masons wanted you to see was the laying of the cornerstone ceremony, just like the pictures of George Washington laying the cornerstone. It's the exact same scenario, but hidden in plain sight where, where you wouldn't notice it unless you stood in a particular place. Wow. Now, Detroit has a huge Freemasonic history. I won't get too deep into it because I want to get to Hart Plaza. But we just talked about the laying of the cornerstone, so I wanted to show you these creepy pictures I found. Look at those All these old white guys laying the cornerstone to the Detroit Freemasonic Temple here. I've never seen so many Whoa. creepy white, Whoa. white are those, guys. Are those all meant to be Masons or just people from the community that came up? I'm not sure. To tell you the truth, man, I found this picture on the Detroit Freemasonic website. Damn. And, and this is, you know, they're talking about the laying of the cornerstone and... These are the pictures they show. Boy, people used to dress up back in the day. Dude, I was just thinking about, like, you'll see mug shots, like guy mugs guy in a three-piece suit. Yeah. yeah. And they they obviously didn't have two-page yet, as you can see. Are they there just to watch the construction of this? Construction of it? Yeah, they're laying the cornerstone, like this ceremony right here where you see George Washington. They must be bored. Yeah, balloons. Johnny, what else? I mean, like somebody's saying the other day that like in a day we get more information thrown at us than some people got in their whole lives way back in the day. Well, dude, don't you remember that period? I mean, of course you do, before the internet. I mean... I, did, true. I had no information coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah, yeah. What I saw on TV. That's that why it. I always say, like, people aren't getting dumber. They're just getting inundated with dumber information, right? Oh, yeah. Like, don't point. tell me, like, in the 1500s, R- Russian peasants were like, they just have very specific information. Yeah. So, what, and I agree that it's bad that these kids don't know this, but when you go to a kid, like, who fought in the Civil War, and they're like, ah. Yeah, or like, you know, the Russian peasant, like, Show me how to repair a pitchfork. I bet he could do that. Yeah, they, they, I they mean, had like, different knowledge. There was nothing else to talk about. Right, right. Now you got a million, like, whether they should know who Kim Kardashian is is married to versus the Civil War. You know, I get that. I totally get that they should know what the Civil War is. But it's like, that's a function of adults not teaching these children what's important and us marinating them in stupid. It's, they're just getting dumb information. So when you're like, did all these guys just, yeah, there was nothing to do. You worked your, I mean, they, when you That's take why a look. they had all those festivals and shit. Yeah, if you look at like, they said the caveman, guess how many hours the caveman worked a, 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 like a week. They said like 17 hours. A week. Oh, the whole week. What were they doing the rest of the time? All you had to do was get food. Once you got food, <laughs> lot, you're good. A lot of jerking it. A lot of jerking it. A lot, lot, lot of jerking it. You know, like all that stuff. So the point is, the <laughs> point, sure. sorry, Chad, you'd be like, oh, I don't well, need to no, hear any of this. But, you know, the point is, is like, 
We are not. You have to learn to shut this off. So yeah, everyone did show up and watch his people nail. Like, yeah, imagine, I mean, like can you? Can you just? Go, okay. <laughs> well, you imagine being the guy in the back for that. All you can hear is a distant like ding. Yeah. Ding, or ding. the guy all the way. What's happening? <laughs> I think he's nailing it. Keep me posted. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go on. Oh, look who it is. Look who it is. Yeah, so uh, before we get to Heart Plaza, I had to bring up Aleister Crowley because he's one guy who recognized all this Freemasonic symbolism and happenings taking place in Detroit. And he came to Detroit in 1919. Damn. And he, yeah, and he had a goal. His goal was he wanted to start what he referred to as the new Anne of Horst in Detroit. So he came to Detroit, and he actually he wrote his Blue Equinox books here. He opened up a publishing company, and he was getting mescaline from Park Davis and doing all these sex rituals. In well, Detroit? In Detroit. Was in Detroit his, a relatively large city at this time? Yeah, Detroit was huge at this time. It was actually used to be called the Paris of the West. And at, at this time wow. in the 1920s, oh it, it was booming. No kidding. And you know, Crowley's uh, idea, the reason why he came to Detroit, and well, you see how, the, how big the Freemasons were, but he had this idea where he was going to build what he called the Grand Lodge, and it would house all the different orders and sects of Freemasons. But the deal was his... His sect would be up top, making him the leader of all the Freemasons. And, you know, he had a couple meetings, supposedly, with the Scottish Rite and these other groups, and they, they just weren't going for it. And at the same time, the sex rituals were getting out in the Detroit newspaper and giving them a bad rep. So the Masons supposedly didn't want that reputation that Crowley was bringing to town and supposedly basically ran him out of town. What's your thoughts uh, on Crowley? I'd like to fight him for charity, but what do you think? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think he was a creep. I mean, he was—he was. I think he was a rich kid creep, basically. I think mm -hmm. if he was around today, he would be like everybody that they hate in Hollywood, right? All these rich kids telling everybody how to live their life, doing weird shit. You know, I think that's who he was. I just think again, it's these elites. And they get all they they have all the money in the world, so they're allowed to like drift in the fairy tale land and try to create fairy tale policies that eventually over time have disastrous results. But because they have so much money, they can insulate themselves from the repercussions of their policies. Example, San Francisco that we were just in. All these rich kids voting for the stupid shit. And then because they have the money, they can either move out when it gets really bad or they can live behind a, uh, a, a gated community yeah. and never feel the, the results of their policies. L.A. is the exact same thing. You're voting with your heart because you have it so well. I heard some crazy stat this week that California has more 100,000 more regulations than any other state. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because, because what, what happens is, is that when you have a group of people that will vote one way no matter what, you can just keep passing laws. It Take doesn't it matter. Granted. They're just going to vote for you because they've been so beaten into the head that the other side's so bad. And this is not a pro-Republican speech. I hate both parties. And eventually the other party's going to do the exact same thing to you. But the notion that you have a choice of only two... Is ridiculous. Three hundred and ninety-five thousand regulatory restrictions in California. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just stupid. Okay, go back. Alistair Crowley and what? what and, and uh, yes, yeah, the the point of me bringing up Alistair Crowley at this point is I just want you to kind of remember this for the in a minute in the future that he wanted to bring in the new Anna Horace, and as you can see in this card, the chief deity in the new Anna Horace is the goddess Nuit. So that'll become important in about five minutes. New Anna Horus and the goddess knew it. So, so, uh, so, you know, I, I tried to have this discussion with Rogan on his show, but it's like all these people like that, like how many people like, do you know, that are atheists that are like, I'm sorry, like are into Alistair Crowley and stuff like that. We see like a lot of these atheists that are just really into all this stuff. And like, you know they don't. They oh, I don't believe in God. Well, you do have a you do have a, a religion. You have faith, and that's in science. But you also believe in Alistair Crowley, who believed in this stuff, which was like he wanted to impregnate, the, the, you know, the whore of Babylon and create these new like star children and all that stuff. Like you believe in religion, you just don't believe in mainstream religion. Because you don't want to be associated with, because you hate your dad, basically. That's what it comes down to. You hate your father, and you want to rail against any. Show me one atheist that loves their dad. <laughs> Go on. Sorry, dude. I, I'm going to tell that. In this <laughs> no, that, that, that brings us to Heart Plaza. We just made this journey here from Campus Mars to Heart Plaza. And Hart Plaza was imagined in 1947. I bring that up because 1947 is an important year. We got Roswell going on. Uh, Aleister Crowley actually died that year after some of his rituals. And this guy up top here, this is Errol Saarinen. He's a Michigan school teacher. And he has this vision for a park or a plaza on the Detroit River. The same time, he has another vision. He envisions a park on the mound site in St. Louis. And he wins the commission for it. The same guy designed and built the Gateway Arch. So the guy who designed the Gateway Arch also envisioned Hart Plaza. It took 30 years, but finally they got enough money, 1974, to bring a Japanese-American artist to town, Osama Noguchi. And this would be the first park Osama Noguchi had ever created. And what he did was he built a park and he orientated it and correlated it to the Giza pyramids. Whoa. And, and what I mean by that is he took several of the monuments, the amphitheater, okay. the Horus and Sun Fountain, and a pyramid that aligned precisely with the Giza pyramids. And there's actually a causeway that leads to a giant obelisk, wow. exactly where the causeway that leads to the Sphinx. And this is all also aligned to the constellation of Orion. So that was one of the first things I figured out about this park. So, you know, the first, you know, what am I going to do with this information? So I started looking into each, you know, monument individually to see if there's any corresponding symbolism or if this was, you know, just over the top. But, you know, amphitheaters, the amphitheater aligns with the first pyramid, and these are transmitters and receivers of frequency and vibration, tunes and tones, you know. Uh, music's one of the highest forms of spiritual communication. Tunes and tones, they can trigger memories, they can activate emotions, open our hearts. So almost all of these parks, because I look at different parks, will have an amphitheater. And... 
Don't gotta look too far for symbolism when it comes to the Horus and Sun fountain. You know, straight up Egyptian symbolism. And by the way, Horus's son, his name was Horus Jr. Horse yeah, it, he was just bumble fucking. He couldn't do anything like well. They're like, oh, it's horses, kid. What do you want to do? He loves his son. Junior. Sounds like a sounds like a junkyard company, right? Horse's son, come down, bring us your junk. We'll give you good money no. for it. And uh, the, the Horace is actually spelled different than Horace, the Egyptian figure. This is Horace Dodge. The Dodge Automobile Pioneer. Uh, you know, in Dish, Michigan here, we talked about Cadillac. Now we're talking about Horace Dodge. So, but, you know, the name Horus, Horus Jr. In Egyptian mythology, there's actually Horus the Elder and a Horus the Son. So, it, you know, it fits perfectly. Wow. Now, Asama Noguchi, he, else, he made this fountain also, and he said, the symbolism will only be recognized when the time is right. Whoa, you know, I actually that's creepy. Found that, yeah, and I found that quote in one of his books, and, you know, I'm hoping the time is right pretty quick here. And, you know, this thing looks otherworldly, you know, kind of looks trippy. like a UF, UFO. It kind of looks like a toroid. And this is the monument that occupies the middle belt star of the constellation of Orion or the middle pyramid. People go down here and they play in the rainbow by the fountain. This lady asked me to stop taking her picture. She had no clue why I was taking her picture. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, Horus Dodge. I think we can use it as far as looking for Egyptian symbolism. And one day, I actually, I was feeling kind of grateful for finding this symbolism. So I decided to go to Horus Dodge's resting place, his mausoleum off 8 Mile in Detroit. Ho, ho, ho. And this is where Horace and his brother John Dodge are buried in this Egyptian-styled mausoleum that's flanked by Sphinx. It's got obelisks surrounding it, you know, and I actually felt kind of weird about it, but you can creep up here and look in the window of the mausoleum. And in the back, there's giant stained glass relief of the pyramids. So, you know, there's no doubt that this Egyptian symbolism was following Horace Dodge who, by the way, was born in Niles, Michigan, coincidentally. Yeah. Niles, like the, the yeah, Nile, Nile River. River. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so this symbolism is just following this guy. Now, just briefly, back to the oh. fountain. Oh, my God, dude, that's it. That's, yeah. Now, now we talked about this is dedicated oh. to Horus, but the symbol, the shape of the fountain is identical to the Egyptian goddess Nuit. And remember, we were talking about Aleister Crowley, the Anna Horus, symbolized by Newit. And here we got this fountain dedicated to Horus Dodge that's shaped identical to the goddess Newit. So, so for those who are listening, what, what's basically going on is that there is this giant fountain in Detroit. And it looks like when, the, when it's dark at night, it looks like a scene from Strange Encounters of the Third Kind. You remember that Stephen King movie? <laughs> at it the end, like, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like that. And then I, I'm assuming this is a painting or, or a holograph. Uh, what's, how do you pronounce that? Holograph? Uh, I don't even know what you're... What am I trying to say with the... the, the Hierographic. Hierog- th- thank you, dude. It's very... Uh, you know I'm in trouble. Not quite. Uh, <laughs> when I got to correct uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> of Of what looks like a purple polka-dotted lady 
Uh, it's like she got monkeypox. She's kind of doing like a <laughs> downward dog over four Egyptians. And one looks yeah. like... Uh, um, she's very fair, flexible. She's very flexible. And it does look exactly like... And this one guy's getting real fresh. Uh, you look at where the guy in the middle of his hands yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's working all the bits, right? <laughs> and um, he and it, it looks exactly like the fountain in, in Detroit. For sure, man. For sure. That's so, so crazy. Especially after you know how, how much they love, like... Egyptians, like like after you see the temples, like this was meant on purpose. Yeah, it's not like yeah. it was a coincidence. Hieroglyph. How do you pronounce it? Hieroglyph. 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 Okay. Hieroglyph. What happened to me, dude? What happened to me? Go on. I didn't. You were so off. That I didn't know what you were trying to say. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Dude. Oh man, I got a, I got so, a weird brain, bro. Like sometimes you say things so far off that it makes me forget the word. Yeah, like that's like when you try to Google something. It's like I don't know what we're looking for. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think Johnny has that problem, but I know where you're at. Where I'm like Google can't even help me fucking yeah, find yeah, this word. I'm so off, man. I'm done. Go on. You're not done. Yeah. So the, the the amphitheater and the horse and sun fountain correlate to the first two pyramids. The third pyramid correlates to a pyramid. You know, you don't got to look too far for symbolism. There's signs pointing away, pyramid this way, you know, and it you know, sits in the shadow of the General Motors building. So Is that you? that's the three. Go ahead. Is that you up there? Yeah, that's me up there oh, okay. for sure. Cool. For, for sure. Yeah, so I, I love this spot. I've been going to this park for 15 years, and be, I love this spot before I knew all the symbolism. But now, once I recognized it, you know, it's it's my spot to go and just chill and do my thing, you know. And up front, like I said, marking the entrance to the plaza is this giant pylon. Uh, this is, sits where the Sphinx would sit, and this was also created by Osama Noguchi. And, you know, it, I think it's a transmitter and possibly a receiver. You know, sits there sucking in energy at the front of this park. So one of my favorite things to do is ask the question, was all this intentional or was some of it subconscious? And as far as intentional, Sama Noguchi came here and built this plaza in 1974 he was on a year-long sojourn in Egypt before he came here. So he came pretty much straight from Egypt to Hart Plaza. And he said in a book that his interest in Egypt was recognizing the relationship the Egyptians had with their temples. So he comes back to America, and first chance he gets to build a park, he comes here and builds Hart Plaza. So did he recognize he was laying out heart plaza and correlating it to the pyramids and the constellation of orion and never tell anyone because he never told anyone i've read every interview anything he's ever done and he the closest he comes is saying the symbolism will be recognized when the time is right or did he possibly come here and subconsciously taking a subconscious download on this ancient landscape and come up with this <laughs> That sounds crazy, but, and I say it because of another project he proposed. And back in 1947, again, before he came here, he was going to build what he called the face to be seen from Mars. And it was an earthen structure. It was going to be like two miles long by a mile wide, have a pillar of a nose a mile tall, and 
only be recognizable from, say, as far away as the moon or Mars. And his idea with this sculpture was if we destroyed ourselves in a nuclear holocaust, it's 1947, he's a Japanese-American, if we destroyed ourselves in a nuclear holocaust, extraterrestrials would be able to recognize that at one point there was a civilization here on Earth. Hmm. Well, that's a pretty cool idea for the time. But then it gets weird when 30 years later, NASA, whatever you want to think about them, but they send back images of a face on Mars. The face on Mars, you know, symbolically looks identical to Noguchi's face to be seen from Mars. And there's even researcher Dr. John Brandenburg that proposes Mars was destroyed in a nuclear holocaust uh, due to some isotope studies they've done. And here Noguchi was talking about making this sculpture in case of a nuclear holocaust. So I always wondered, did Noguchi tap into something in this instance and come back with the symbolism? So you're saying something like, uh, you're saying something like, uh, what is it, Nikola Tesla? You know how Nikola Tesla says a lot of his stuff got sent to him through who the fuck knows where? So you say him and... Iman Nagamushi are kind of like... Uh, I respect you for trying. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Like, you could have just skipped so over like that guy. You could have said I that guy. Really yeah, that guy. <laughs> I really... That was fucking great. Yeah, man, I think bro. that's exactly what's happening in some cases. You know, not all, but I think in some cases. And, and you know, Jack Kirby, uh, the comic book artist in the yeah. 50s, was having the same visions of a face on Mars. For, really? So for some... Yeah, so for some reason, there are certain people that were getting these visions. So, you know, so this whole heart plat is a thing with Orion correlation. could go either way. What do you think that, how do you think that is, how do you think that enters the minds of people like that creative? I think, well, in most cases, the best way I can put this is, say, down here in heart plat is they have a contest. And they'll bring in, say, in this case, they brought in 30 artists. And these artists will have a couple days to come and get a feel for the landscape they're about to, you know, do their designs, their proposal for. And they'll come down there and literally walk around and literally just try to get a feel of what should fit in. And I think in those times, these certain guys are able, not always, but sometimes able to get this information. This information comes from somewhere. I have no clue where it's coming from but it's coming from some outside source. And I don't know if it's, like I said earlier, if they're, they happen to be in the right frequency on the right piece of real estate at the right time, you know, what the ex- exact formula is. But I do think even some of these guys, sometimes authors, you know, artists, uh, can sometimes tap in to this consciousness. I'll call it otherworldly, this other realm this consciousness coming from somewhere else which to me is the mystery because i don't know where it's coming from but i think these certain people can pick up on this certain information and this may downloads have dude downloads case, downloads downloads and like i said before he came here he never built the park and he never really built any portal or gateway or orion sculptures but when he left here he went to Cleveland, Ohio, and his next sculpture, he called it the portal. And he built a giant portal. And then he left Cleveland. He went to Hawaii, and he built Sky Gate, you know, another portal. So, you know, once he left Detroit, and he came and stood on this piece of landscape, and he 
built this amazing park, he had portals on his mind, so to speak. Something happened in Egypt, man. He nothing before that. He never did anything like this before. No, he he was known for his sculptures, but as far as like portals and gateways, nothing. And once he left Egypt and came here, I want to say it's like next five, six, seven sculptures were all stellar sculptures having to do with gateways or portals. He might have tapped into something over there. I think he absolutely might have, absolutely might have, and he, if he did, he actually. You know, he utilized it well. You know, he actually came back here and utilized it. Now, that was just the beginning of the gateway symbolism. That was 1974. Sama Noguchi pretty much did all that single-handedly. Now, 2001, Detroit's tricentennial, 300 years after Cadillac pulled ashore, they decided to upgrade the riverfront. And the new... The blueprints for the new riverfront was called actually called the Gateway Vision. And the governor came here and did a big talk about the Gateway Vision, all the new monuments they were going to put up. And they started at Hart Plaza and they put up the Gateway to Freedom. I mean, the Gateway symbolism just keeps reemerging. And the Gateway to Freedom is actually a sculpture. This was the last stop on the Underground Railroad. The slaves would cross the Detroit River here to their freedom. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so on the opposite side of the river here, here's its companion piece. This is the Tower of Freedom. Wow. Oh, they, man. We all know what that is. Yeah, and this is, you know, this ain't even a sculpture. What this actually is, is for the Horace and Son Fountain, this is... It runs the fountain. This is like the engine that runs the fountain. But for some reason, during the gateway vision, they added this spiral staircase and all these cameras up top. And, you know, when they, to me, I'm sitting down here, I'm sitting under this, over by the fountain, watching this thing being built. I'm like, man, that thing looks like the Tower of Babel, you know, it's, and I'm looking at gateway symbolism, of course, Tower of Babel is a gateway to the gods and symbolically you see all those cameras up there man we can, i call those the watchers you know mm -hmm. that's yeah. the watchers up there and although the fountain was built in the 70s they actually gave it a brand new plaque and said this is the engine of water at a gateway to a great city once again referring to heart plaza as a gateway this was a you know literally a gateway vision but the true gateway was to emerge was the transcending gateway and this was the topper off of heart plaza i mean it was already cool being aligned and correlated to the stars but you know when you put the stargate at the front of the park you know this was it and they had a contest same thing a hundred artists came down here and walked around a local school teacher won the commission here david barr he built the stargate Sergio D'Agusti, he built the stone boulders that circle the Stargate. And what it is, is there's actually a green granite stone spiral that leads around and through the center of the Stargate. Now, i got to point out, it looks like a Stargate. I call it a Stargate, but this is Detroit's birthday party monument. This is an auto workers monument. They say this is a gear. This is supposed to be a giant gear. Actually, it's called a, a synchronization gear, to be precise. So I got a hold of David Barr, 
Uh, he's passed away now, but huh. luckily I got a hold of him before that, and I asked him, David Barman, I know this. you say this is a gear, but I'm studying subconscious symbolism. Did a Stargate ever cross your mind? And he actually got back to me surprisingly enough. <laughs> he told me, no, Chad, man, a Stargate never crossed my mind. But that being said, the green granite spiral that leads around and through the center of the gateway will take the visitor on a contemplative walk that will allow them to leave the grid of the city for the sphere of space. So to me, in his own words, like maybe I didn't explain myself to him good enough. I don't think this is a literal Stargate, but he described a consciousness portal to me in his own 100%. words. 100%. And it's, you know, and I always say, look at the names of these things, too. This is called the transcending gateway, you know, so sometimes they say what they are. Yeah, it's not Stargate, it's a transcending gateway. Oh, okay, my It's a transcending gear, but, you know, it's built on on a piece of sacred landscape in the middle of a part, correlated and orientated. And this is, you know, I've interviewed hundreds of people that have walked around this green granite spiral and had incredible experiences. Wow. Now, the same guy who built that, who, who initially claimed it wasn't a Stargate, after he built the Stargate, he did another project called the Baseline Project, which consisted of granite obelisks. And what he did is he took these eight-foot granite obelisks and put one in every county across the entire baseline of Michigan. So the baseline goes through the bottom part of the state from the east part of the state to the west part of the state, and it's where all the roads from Michigan are measured from. And he put obelisks literally across the entire state. This is Michigan's point of origin. I showed you Detroit's point of origin. This is Michigan's point of origin. Oh, they've really yeah. let that go, huh? I mean, that might be important. <laughs> they They're just like, this looks like every uh, scene. This looks like something from Jumanji. Like they just let it, <laughs> like they just let it, the jungle just take it over. And they're like, this was a great place at one time. Oh, look. Yeah, it is. It's in a little park and the park's, park's not hardly in any use anymore. You know, it's a, it's a really, it's kind of a cool monument. It's out in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere. Why don't they but, fix it? I, I mean, like, it is this, yeah. where, it's the birthplace. Maybe we should send somebody out there. Yeah, but have you seen the rest of Michigan? I don't I think mean, they're fixing well, any of Michigan. I get that, too, but, yeah. hey, be nice. This is his state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard man. So, yeah, so leading from Detroit in that Hart Plaza on Campus Mars, direct, you know, we have Grand Obelisk leading all the way across the state, you know, connecting that energy across the state. So he has a bunch of them all over the place? Every county. I want to say there's... Oh, come on. I'm, I'm not sure how... I don't think he finished it. I want to say he got to like 30-some because he passed away. But I know they're still trying to raise the funds to finish the line across the state. Oh. But, so that was Campus Mars and Hart Plaza. And I'll show you guys one last place I'd like to show you. We're back to the realm of... Chief Sleeping Bear and the Gatekeeper, back to Belle Isle, the Sacred Island, and the, oh. all the other symbolism was taking place downtown. They were building out Belle Isle, and one thing I always point out in my research is when you see obelisks and arches, you can almost always be sure there's going to be a gateway 
a gateway sculpture, gateway symbolism nearby. And I make this point by showing you the gateway arch. Eero Stiernan from Detroit built it, and he intentionally built it. So from the side, it would look like an obelisk. But from the front, it would look like an arch. By do, doing this, he incorporated the male and the female symbolism into one monument to create a gateway. This is, this is a trans so, monument. Right. <laughs> it's really, it's really kind of brilliant, though. Yeah, I mean, this guy, yeah. Yeah. Impressive. So over over the years, I was watching, but you know, knowing this, watching Bell Isle be built up, and every piece of architecture are either arches domes or obelisks and we have carolyn towers we have the only marble lighthouse in the world at the end of belle isle so i was watching all these obelisks and these arches just waiting for a gateway sculpture like this was my spot i'd sit at the bottom of this lighthouse with my dogs and let them run around smoking you know this is my spot right here and well about um, two months ago, I would say, I went back down there. I was doing some new interviews I haven't done in a while, and I, was, I had to make sure nothing new was on Belle Isle, my spot. And I went out there, and I'm like, oh, man, there's a new sign. Mm. And I walk up to check out what's going on, the new sculpture. And, you know, like, I'm looking for gateway and portal symbolism, but it kind of looks like Stonehenge to me. So I get a little closer, and it's a map of Michigan. And I look closer, and a little jewels on the map say gateway everywhere this is detroit the southern gateway this is ironwood the northern gateway and i find out this is actually the beginning of a bike trail that goes hundreds of miles but this there's still gateway symbolism sitting on this table out here it's called the iron bell trail and even the symbol for the iron bell trail looks kind of like a wormhole or a gateway yeah, and then when you actually get to the monument well there's no question the monument is a gateway and it is called One World Under Michigan Stars. And that's exactly what I've been researching for years is this ancient world being buried under Michigan stars. And it says right on the plaque that goes to it, this is the Wilson Jr. Gateway. It welcomes the world. This trail runs between the Northern Gateway in Ironwood and the Southern Gateway on Belle Isle. And just keeps on going, talking about this is a yeah. gateway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's undeniable. It's not like I'm applying some symbolism to it. It says it all over it that this is a gateway. It creates a split in the sky. If you look through the split in the sky, you actually look at the marble oh, lighthouse, cool. which was this was actually designed as an obelisk. The guy who designed this, Albert Kahn, said this lighthouse is symbolic of an obelisk. Did you take so, that photo? No, I did not. Unfortunately, that's a tremendous photo. <laughs> I, I can never take a good photo of the moon. Possible. Unfortunately not. Yeah, that is and, some crazy picture, bro. For you guys yeah, at home is. that are listening, it's basically yeah, it's how would you describe it? It's like a Stargate that looks like a broken cookie, right? Exactly, like a, yeah. like yeah. A, a, a cookie that's cut in half. It's, and like, like it's almost a, like digital, though. It's yeah, like, like an, eight bit, yeah. an 8 bit cookie, yeah, right? Yeah. And in the middle of it is a. In the distance. In the distance is a. So it's a, a that lighthouse. A lighthouse that's an obelisk. And then in the back is like just perfect is the moon. Full moon. Full moon, man. But it looks yeah. big, not like small and shitty like it does when I try to take a picture. <laughs> Maybe the moon know, doesn't like you, Jake. It could be. Camera shy. I, I, camera I, I, shy I don't with think you. it's hollow. I'm denying it's true uh, self. You know, so. <laughs> 
and as cool as this picture is, you don't realize it, but you're actually looking through this gateway to the realm of the gatekeeper, the ancient legend we talked about. This is the realm of the gatekeeper and the serpent goddess. So the fact that this portal showed up where I said there used to be a consciousness portal, that's what I'm talking about by the resurfacing of the gates. Like at one time, this was considered a gateway. And once again, a gateway emerges. And remember, I was talking about the serpent goddess and the legend goes that the island was surrounded by snakes, but the goddess herself would be immortalized as a white female deer. So imagine my surprise when I was out in the woods, kind of hiding out smoking. I looked through through the, the fence at the new zoo they're putting in and I see some guys unloading some deer. He's un- they're unloading white albino deer, oh, just lo- just like the legend, That's just cool. like the legend. Wow! That's so cool, what a way to did they? Around. And I don't think they knew the legend. I don't think these guys here at the but that Detroit, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, but it's even cooler. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. I don't think. I think. It's These like it's something that's out there, right? That's accessible. That's kind of it's kind of a manifesting people. dog. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. manifesting. It's something that's manifesting that's itself, it. though. You know yes. what I mean? It's like yes, one hundred percent. Like that guy, the Asian guy. I don't want to say his name again. He might, like we said, we he might have not even. <laughs> I want know. you to say one time, Christy Yamaguchi. <laughs> there we go, Yamaguchi. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. That's a figure skater. Uh, uh, but yeah, maybe he didn't even know he was building it in that specific order. Well, I mean, so that is this realm. Like, you, you can manifest things that you don't even know you're doing. That's why you got to be careful, too, because sometimes you can tune into the wrong frequency and you're manifesting shit that's destructive, you know? Well, I, well, I 100% believe that. All right, you guys, I can't believe you brought up manifesting at this point. Perfect timing. You just manifested this. All right. <laughs> I'm a manifester, bro. You're a manifester. Just wait. Just wait, Sam. Too. All right, so... As I said, this stuff is resurfacing. I just found this gate two months ago or so, and I started doing some interviews again. So I went back about three weeks ago. I was like, I went to Belle Isle, but I forgot to go back to Campus Mars. I didn't go back to Hart Plaza, so I decided to go back down just to make sure there was nothing new. And I parked my car, and the construction crew was literally leaving from installing this monument. You can see there's one guy here. He's a reporter. Obviously, it wasn't very important, but he's got his camera set up down here. <laughs> and it's another gear. You know, it's a gear, but to me, it looks like a Stargate. And, and what this is, I found out, is they're holding the NFL draft here in 2024 here at the Hart Plaza Campus Mars Corridor, they're calling it. Counting down to that already, and, huh? 700 days. Big day, yeah, big day. Yeah, like I said, that's a countdown. I literally got there the day they put this thing up. I mean, so in my head, I'm like, that's kind of cool. Another gear, Stargate, and it's literally halfway between Campus Mars and Hart Plaza. So, you know, I was pretty excited. I found another, and I'll call it a, a Lions Gate, you know, Detroit Lions. So I actually went home and typed in Lionsgate trying to find a picture of this thing. And it, there's no pictures. It wasn't in the news yet. This guy obviously wasn't a big deal. He didn't get his pictures out. And what did pop up, though, is ex-Detroit Lion, Calvin Johnson. He's all, His nickname was Megatron, standing under the other Stargate. 
So I'm like, what the heck's Megatron standing under this stargate? And this was an Instagram post where he just said, I just emerged from the Detroit stargate. What, dude? So crazy. So, okay, so this is what's manifested. So this morning, I'm looking at these three slides. These three slides weren't in here. I put them in there this morning because I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to make of them or what to say, you know, really. But I, once again this morning, I Googled Lionsgate. And it turns out today, 8-8 is what they call the Lionsgate portal. Uh, and the Lionsgate portal, I guess, is when... The constellation of Orion is in the best conjunction with the Giza pyramids, and it's all about manifesting and synchronicity. And somehow I went down there three weeks ago, found this lion's gate, and we managed to schedule this show for 8-8 on the day of the lion's gate portal. So, you know, just oh, one of those synchronicities that we're sitting here. Talking about the pyramids. Whoa! It is August 8th. It is August 8th. We're talking about that does look like a lion's mouth. Damn. So, you know, it is a, I think a lot of this is about manifesting. It is about synchronicity, and it's still happening. This sculpture here is called the Floating Citadel. This isn't even out yet. This is them literally building it as we speak. This is going to go right next to Heart Plaza. There used to be next door. I just found this out. This is a Native American fort that looks very similar to a star fort, but Native Americans weren't supposed to have star forts. So I'm wondering if this these Native Americans, maybe after burning down the other star forts, decided it might have been a nice shape, and they used it themselves. But obviously it's not there no more, so they're building the sculpture called the Floating Citadel. And the artist says about the floating citadel that its form references celestial bodies, astrolabs, cages, drains, thresholds, mystical symbols, and human skeletons, specifically echoing the idea of a rib cage, which protect life, but also trap us on the earthly plane. The work is meant to represent both a global and a terrestrial object, and yet an ascending spiritual form. So... You know, it, it says what it is. You know, this all these celestial, otherworldly sculptures are everywhere, and they just keep coming, man. They're still like this one isn't even out yet. It's supposed to be out by this fall. Wait, so what's that yeah. image there then? Is that just a rendering? Uh, yeah. That's a rendering, exactly. That's a rendering. That is creepy too, like a, a skeleton rip rib cage. It's yeah, like, yeah. It is. He's right though. It does kind of uh, restrict that you know our movement as a soul. You know, yeah, kind of. Yeah. You got to live here. You got to live where there's oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's kind of a quick rundown of downtown Detroit and all nice, the man. the gateway symbolism. You Dude, know. That's crazy, bro. This is crazy. There's a lot of, and then there's a lot of Masonic shit over there in Detroit. We've had a guy that comes on and says he travel, he walks around Detroit, finding all the symbolism. It's nuts, dude. Hey, I want to get into uh, Dog Man. Can you tell me a little bit about the Michigan Dog Man? Yeah, for sure. Let me hear about. This is what I know about the Dog Man. Sorry, real quick. Can you uh, can you kill that uh, the screen share? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Full screen for us. There we go. Thanks. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. So what I know about how I became familiar with the dog, man, was I was living in Detroit and I got tired of the city life. So I moved up north and I, I live in the middle of nowhere now. I, like I actually had to drive an hour tonight just to do this conversation. I live in the middle of nowhere. So you're off the grid like a mofo. Wow. Like like a mofo. <laughs> <laughs> And I live probably in my new house, I'd say probably a week or so, and I live in the middle of the woods, and I had an unusual dream, and I usually don't talk about dreams, but I had this weird dream where I'm standing out on my deck, and I'm looking down towards my barn about 100 yards away, and I see these glowing red eyes, and I'm trying to focus in on these red eyes, and all of a sudden it comes lunging, flying towards me, whatever, and I realize it's a... At that time, I thought a werewolf, you know, werewolf thing. And it woke me up, and I was all sweaty and terrified. And my wife asked me what's wrong, and I told her I had a werewolf dream. She's like, what are you talking about? And, you know, that was kind of the end of it. About a week later, my wife comes home from work. She just got a, a bartending job because we just moved up here. And she's like, you're never going to believe what I heard these work electrical workers talking about. They, they were all afraid to go back down the power lines because of a dog man like creature i'm like oh you gotta be kidding me like they're pulling your leg she's like no they, they weren't telling me they were talking to each other and they were serious so you know i went online and started doing some research and found what they called the dog man and I, it was the exact thing i had seen in my dream the week before i mean identical identical it creeped me out man i didn't want to go to my barn no more which you know that dream shouldn't scare me like that but it creeped me out so you know i started doing a little research and about a week later she comes home again and now some lumberjacks were in there kind of having the same conversation so she asked him like what are you guys talking about and they started kind of telling kind of telling her but half joking and, she, and they asked her where she lived and she's i won't give the exact she said we live out on meridian road and they're like you live where and they're, and, and they're like are you familiar with the meridian mauler <laughs> and long story short the meridian mauler is this dog man's nickname and there's only two houses off meridian that's me and this other abandoned house okay call up the people yeah. at did, you, did you ask why the other house is abandoned <laughs> yeah. no no so yeah man so i live in Dogman country and i started doing some research on it and stuff and I did. Me and my wife would go on some dog man hunts. We put on our cowboy hats and get our video cameras out hunts? and go roaming through no. the swamps and woods, you know. Oh. But you know, no. never seen anything. But did you not watch the uh, Grizzly Man? Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing, bro? <laughs> are you enjoying living out by like? Because you lived in Detroit, which is a fairly modern city it's not as big as la or chicago or anything like that so you move from there into what you, by your own words is kind of like out in the middle of nowhere i don't know if you use those exact words but um are you enjoying that absolutely best move i've ever made in why? my life my what, what, why are you enjoying it oh man my closest neighbors over a half mile away just the p i don't have any sound of traffic i don't have Screaming neighbors. I just, I, I love the peace, the solitude. I love the woods. I just love it. You know, I have no problem driving 45 minutes to get somewhere if I need to be there. What about if I that just, somewhere's a hospital? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, where's, oh. how far away is the hospital? Yeah. yeah. Hospital, a little half hour. 
That sounds. That's yes. just it's like I want a little. I want. Can we meet in the middle? That's what I want. Like <laughs> I just want to be on the outskirts of like a place where I can go get big city. That's why Nashville's really nice. Yeah, there's most cities Nashville. like that aren't L.A. and New York are like that, dude. Where you can go a few miles outside the city and have a real solid. Like, Nashville's like that. You can live in the win- middle of nowhere man, and then like ten minutes. That's in the a south, s- dude. That's the whole south. Is yeah, like that's that. what. You I think want. fifteen minutes hospital drive is good enough? Yeah, I mean, like, like you think anything longer than that? It's just like uh, you're pushing it, you're bleeding out. You need 50. <laughs> well, what happened? We're getting shot here. What's going on? Yeah, well, yeah, you're well, the one. What scenario? I mean, you're here. the one who's at. We're getting attacked hospital. by a dog know. man. What is it? You could happen. I don't know. Yeah, half hour's a little much. But oh, half like, how, how, how far is uh, from your parent? From your your twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Like that. Yeah. You, if you were really hauling ass, going hundred miles an hour, you could get there in probably ten or fifteen. But. Okay, all right. I think this is. It. Is it what else? Did we cover everything, or do you got anything else you want to cover? Yeah, no, that sounds great, Sam. Um, I, I love to promote my new podcast a little bit. Just we're really excited, me and the other co-host, to give other people the opportunity to go out and do the same kind of research. You know, it's it's one thing to do it, but to inspire other people to go see their own neck of the woods and start seeing their own cities in a new light. That's I'm, I think I'm more excited about that than even my own research. Okay. So, so Esoteric know, anybody, America, when does that drop? Esoteric America, it dropped yesterday. You can, oh. As of right now, you can find it on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy's YouTube channel or the RSS feed for Esoteric America. Uh, we'll be dropping the next two or three episodes this week. Um, our first one was Anderson, Indiana with a good friend, Thomas. He did it. Awesome job talking about some of the ancient mounds down in Indiana. Our next episode, we're going to be doing a little town called Baldat, Minnesota, where Andrea walked us through some really cool histories and mysteries in her town. And that's the cool thing about this show is, you know, there's going to be guys like me who do bigger cities, Detroit and Chicago, but we're going to have people come in and do little towns too, like Baldat, Minnesota, You know, all we ask is you put together a little presentation and have a couple hours to spend with a couple couple guys, and, you know, that's about it. We just want everybody to go out, explore their own neck of the woods, and we want to start sharing it and see what kind of cool synchronicities and new histories and new mysteries we can all learn together. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it a lot. All of it. I'm in. I'm all in, dude. I'm all in. You did great. Thank you so much, Chad. Uh, it was a great conversation. Uh-huh. I love this. Again, you know, it's just like I love Michigan. I want to see Michigan flourish. Maybe we can get some of the Stargate to amplify and get Michigan crushing it again. I believe. I, I believe. Uh, are you giving online lectures and videos too? Is that what you're doing? Do you have classes? Uh, no, they were just lectures that had been recorded. Okay, perfect. Did you? Do, oh, that you did? You did lectures? Yeah. Where yeah, Where absolutely. are you, if you don't mind? Is that a library? What is it? Where 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 did you? Yeah, He's at his question. friend's house. Oh, oh okay. That's yeah, I'm at my house. friend's house. Damn. How far away does your friend live? An hour, you said. Yep, hour. Cool. Well, house. hey, dude. Well, we appreciate you doing the journey for the show. Uh, we'll make sure, guys to check out all Chad's links in the description. And we appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you guys so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Super interesting. All right, guys, we love you very much. Again, Theo Vaughn has been added 
to uh, Comedy Chaos. By the time this drops, it will most likely be sold out. But uh, Assassins Only is coming live. If you're in L.A., you want to see a killer lineup and not know who's going up, which is the excitement. Nothing but killers. Go on to samtriple.com. Grab those tickets. We sold out the last one. Come grab some new ones, and we will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. We love you. We go deep, homeboy. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack, Tim foil hack.